and welcome once again to the How Long to Beat podcast. Uh, I'm Rick, joined as always by Alex, Paola, and this week, three separate fans. It is that hot in the UK. Um, <laughs> and what's also hot is the stuff we're going to be covering. So, as always, we're going to talk... <laughs> we're we're going to talk about what we've beaten, retired, and played. Um, we're going to continue our discussion from last week because uh, the Switch Pro just got announced and it's being developed by Valve. What? Uh, <laughs> and quite appropriately, actually, in the show notes, Alex has dubbed it the Gabe Boy, which is uh, what I'm going to be calling it from now on. Um, then we're going to take a question from the community and we're going to finish with everyone's favourite. How, How long, long to beat, beat the game? The game! The game. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was messing my, with my microphone just now. That is hear that. fine. Um, <laughs> while while you're messing with your microphone, I'll dip in. So I've got one completion uh, this week, and I want to get to it because my thoughts are still fresh. I started it two and a half hours before we recorded, and I finished it one and a half hours before we started recording. And that is Mamadora 3. It's a 2D side-scroller. Um, people might be more familiar with the final two games of the five that are so barb in release, which are... Momodora, Reverie Under the Moonlight, and Minoria, which I think is the same universe, or it's like inspired by and by the same dev. What it boils down to is this game is a 2D action platformer uh, with lovely sprite work, with wonderful music, with really tight gameplay. I think there's a story, but it you know it's not really important. It's really cheap on Steam. It regularly goes on sale for like a pound or your regional equivalent, which I think is about what I paid for it. And it's really good for that price. Um, I, I played it all in one sitting, um, which I would have done even if I wasn't rushing to get a completion ready for this week's episode. And I really enjoyed it. If, if you like 2D action of any stripe, um, this is an easy recommendation. And then if you like it, you can go back and play the first two, which are both available for free or for name your price on itch. And then if you like those as well... Um, the last two games, Reverie Under the Moonlight and Minoria, are both highly regarded as well. If you want to wait on those, I'll be playing those soon, I'm sure. So you can uh, you can wait for the recommendation before you buy those also. So that is me. Have either of you played any of the Memodoria games? I know the, the the last one that came out exists, and it sold very well in Japan. <laughs> I didn't know there were like other games like up until this weekend when I was doing some research for other stuff. I didn't know up till now. Momodora, like the Reverie Under Moonlight one, I believe that one's on uh, Game Pass. And so I think I had it downloaded. Like it's one that I'm like, it's like on a list of eventually, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. mm-hmm. It'd be like that. Yeah, I think the whole thing with Minoria was like, we're on the fifth game now. It's kind of niche. We want people to be able to jump in and not feel like they've missed a load. And the, the way the story is that you can't really miss a load. The story is there, but isn't really important unless you want to make it important Hmm. um but yeah would happily recommend that now i want to pull you in next pala because the last person i would expect to have beaten a neko para game is you (laughs) what is neko para i don't know (laughs) it's as i understand it it's like in the niche of um pornographic vns aimed at like young boys who haven't discovered pornhub and or real women yet I see. Except that uh, there there was a Nekopara Otome uh, release like um, a couple of days ago that is Nekopara Catboy's Paradise. <laughs> That's a great Disclaimer, name. Disclaimer, it is pretty tame. It is okay. not photographic. I'm just, make the, I'm just making that sure. Okay. And actually, like, hey, no I shame, saw a lot but... of... <laughs> no, I played I, the I... game for the story. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. Um, 
okay so there was actually like a lot of people like not very happy because it was subtame especially uh, especially because the only thing they didn't I don't want to say that didn't turn down the dialogue because from what my understanding of the Nekobara universe they did uh, but still there were like a couple of innuendos that have people going like okay so you say that why don't like the shows like why didn't like if you're going with the innuendos why aren't you going like fooling with the stuff hmm uh, so, Nekapar Catwell is Paradise. First of all, it is not a visual novel. It is a kinetic novel. Right. So, uh, what's the difference? What's a kinetic novel? Okay, no so choices. in visual novels, you actually oh. have, like, choices and stuff like that. In Nekapar, the only choice you have here... Is move forward. Uh, is, like, which, uh, which of the four virtual is, is, like, your favorite. Okay. But it was a very good game. But at the same time, it felt more like an introduction more than a full game. Hmm. In par- partially because of the lack of choices, but also because like, I want to say the character routes felt like an introduction to the character. They were like very surface level hmm. uh, in a way. Even though they, 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 they were like cute, you have like cute moments between the protagonists, which by the way, that's the only... The other big thing people weren't like so thrilled about is that the protagonist in Nekapara doesn't talk or think, like, not like in voice acting, but in text. The only way to know, like, what the character reacts to whatever is happening around her is either because you get like a little, like, um, screen movements. Or like a little bubble with some kind of emotion on it, but the 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 protagonist in this game doesn't have a name, doesn't have like face really. Even if you're to understand that this character is like she's like really sweet and and all that, she could easily be replaced with a piece of bread because like the the characters kind of like not only like react to what she's supposed to be saying, but they often repeat what they're saying. And in that way, it feels like a poorly made uh, drama city, which, by the way, a drama city is kind of like a... I want to say it's like a radio show to an extent. A drama city is like a story like only recorded. It, it is audio only. Oh, oh, a radio show. Sorry, sorry. A radio a show. Radio okay. show. Like an audio yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. not like an audio book. But more like if you were listening to a... Like a radio play? Yeah, a radio play. Like, yeah, like if you were like going into a play and have your eyes closed and only hear to what the characters were saying. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, what's often done with these character cities, which I have a bunch of right away, uh, <laughs> when you have like only one character feature on it, is like they're attacking usually to the protagonist of an already established story. So, in the case of the Cold Realizer or the Color Cross ones, you already know more or less how Cardia or Ichika talk and how they usually react to these particular characters. So, you don't, ho- you don't really have to fill in the blanks. So, it works. In the case of uh, other drama cities like the Cold Realized Haunted Mansion one, you don't have the protagonist in there. So, it works. 
a lot better because all the characters have voices and are talking and interacting with each other. Mm-hmm. In the case of Nakobara, the character, the main character doesn't have a voice, doesn't talk, doesn't do anything. And the other characters kind of repeat what she's supposed to be saying, so it doesn't feel as organic as it would usually feel. Still, like the the all everything else about the game, like the the characters themselves are like well designed and cute. Over, like the art direction seems good, and overall, like it is it's still very very enjoyable. But for anyone who is used to the usual automa that is like the visual novel, you have a lot of choices. You 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 have a personality for the character. I can understand how most of the automatic community may feel a little bit let down by this game. Though there are other people that really enjoyed it. Can I, just I myself am like in defense with this. Mm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I wonder if this is them testing the water. Because you say it feels very much like an introduction and, and sort of half-baked. I wonder if this is just a um, almost a proof of concept. Because uh, as you keep saying with all, all the automas that you've bought, um, the Japanese versions of and then are eventually getting localizations more and more the the community sort of being served with those games. I wonder if this is them just trying to see if they can sort of get a slice of the pie for themselves. Yeah, the, the main thing about this game is it was originally a April Fool's joke. Like they put up like a trailer. I was about to say, I this think is it was... the most, look, a way more in-depth analysis at a game called Cat Boys Paradise than I have ever <laughs> expected. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's a well, functioning game is incredible. <laughs> a lot of things surprised me, but first of all, this was supposed to be an April Fool's joke, like back in I think it was 2018, 2019, mm. something like that. And they they suddenly like announced it like this year, like, hey, remember that April Fool's joke? Well, since people seem to like it, we're like releasing it. Not only that, but it is free. Oh, okay. So I can't really be mad about something that it is completely free so the only reason i am not ripping this game to shreds is because i didn't pay any money for it if i had paid for it and suddenly all i get is like pretty much a drama cd well if i have paid like five bucks maybe i would have forgiven it but if it was like that's probably uh, why it's free (laughs) yeah that's probably why it's free because uh, it, it is one, like more of an introduction and a proof of concept. And two, well, if they see this, uh, people are talking about this thing, maybe they will take the feedback, which I will really much appreciate. So, yeah, that's the Cat Boys Paradise. I wasn't <laughs> expecting to talk much more about this game than, than I already did. Like, I wasn't expecting to talk about this game as much as I did. <laughs> yes, but yeah, that, that's the thing. And you also played the good Shadow Dragon this week, didn't you? Oh my god, like, where <laughs> did I begin with this one? <laughs> I finished Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon for the DS. I have no idea how. Because magically, like, the night after the exam, I was, like, on the, on the last chapter, and I was like, well, time to finish this. <laughs> um, so, Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon follows the original Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light story from the Famicom version. And this time you have like very actual Polish mechanics on this game. And it is actually very playable. Like, unless you're going in for like 
the history of the franchise and stuff like that. Don't play Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light. Play this one. Play the Shadow Dragon for the DS because mechanically easy is a but uh, uh, mechanically it is a much better experience. Like the classes feel like way more balanced. Not only that, but you have like a full portraits now. You have like actual character dialogue that lasts more like a box or something like that. And also something that really surprised me is that when you recruit an unit, a unit, sometimes you, sometimes uh, one or more of your units can go and talk to it, and you get a little bit more context or like a glimpse of their story and personality. And I found that to be like really cool because it's like when in Awakening there's like a Chinese spot on the map, and you can like put two characters there and to talk and stuff. And they have a conversation so you can know them better, but that seemed to have a start like earlier than I thought. I don't know if the prior games on the franchise has this feature of characters interacting during battle, besides like the recruiting system. So I'm actually like really thrilled to go back to the other games and uh, take a look at that. Also, there was like a particular class, it was the Ballista. Was it the Ballista? I think it was the Ballista. Uh, it, I think it was called the Ballista. It Say was. Ballista one more time a day. <laughs> <laughs> Ballista. <laughs> so this class was, was really underwhelming in the original game. And now it has a crazy range that is like. They, they made this class usable. And I'm very happy because I, I had uh, this character, Jack, and he was saving the rest of immunities from those flyers that were causing havoc at some point because there were like so many like flyers around and so little archers to use. So I could like start like uh, mowing down the enemy army before they could actually get to my units and that was awesome. What else? I don't know what else uh, I can say about Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon that I didn't like originally say about the other game. Oh, the other uh, quality of lighting for friends is that you can prepare your units before battle in terms of inventory. So you don't have the stupid combo like in the map. Marth can access it at any time and any unit that is uh, sitting besides Marth can access the combo. There's uh, a couple of store... No. There's one store that is available in case you need like an iron sword and iron axe or something like that. Something like more basic. Or you can forge your weapons and have... If you want to have like um, killer, killer edge? Killing edge? Killing edge. With plus whatever critical hit and like have like a critical hit happen like half of the time you can. And that was... Sorry, I, I'm like power drunk from from this game because I I finally have like a proper like tutorial for the mechanics also they included the weapon triangle in this game uh, and yeah uh, yeah <laughs> play this game okay, don't we... play the other one <laughs> 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 I am so sorry I mean... that's okay I think that's the only Fire Emblem on the DS I haven't played I'm pretty sure and that's the one that I'm like but maybe I did god I can't even remember I played so many Fire Emblems <laughs> I'm like there, there um, were only like two on the DS, weren't there? There was literally that and one. Oh, other. I'm thinking so, DS and the yeah, 3DS is... combined, sorry. Right, the DS family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, um, unless you play like New Mystery of the Emblem, 
No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, that's the other one for DS. There's two on DS, and you could say five on the three DS if you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you count like the Fates game, like uh, different releases. And I would, because really they're quite different. But anyway, um, why don't I jump on in then? Um, yeah, rescue from Fire yeah. Emblem Hill. <laughs> so I played one game that rose up from my retired list back onto my playing and that is rise Boom. son of rome <laughs> you like rise son of gnome am i right <laughs> nice um yeah this game's like look this this game's stupid but it's fucking gorgeous like it's 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 still really pretty like it's absurd how good this game looks like it now you when on my 4k tv you can sort of like it has that like slightly hazyish look that some early games kind of get, but like it's still remarkably good looking, and like some of the best character models I have ever seen um, in, in a game, and like facial animations and stuff. It's like it's absurd, and that's also part of the problem <laughs> where like you're like this game clearly is a technical showpiece and it is a technical showpiece but like is it a game <laughs> like that's part of like the trouble where like it's kind of a basic slasher kind of brawler type sort of game i think like spartan total warrior like those sort of games of the gamecube and sort of thing and so like i liked it um a lot of quick time events um and like the combat is kind of like you can do these finishers um, where you have to like press the buttons of like the right color, like to hit them and like kill them. But like, it was always kind of satisfying. Cause like the death animations are pretty dope. Like you're like slicing a guy's arm off and like stabbing him through the back of it. You're like, you know, like you're playing it and you're like, yeah, this is appealing to a very base sort of <laughs> monkey brain, uh, part of me right now. And I'm fine with that. You know, I'm just like, stab the guy. Okay. <laughs> you know, That kind of shit. So like, would I recommend this game? Like if you have game pass a hundred percent, like you should definitely boot it up. Cause it's only like a few hours long. It was like maybe seven hours long. Um, which is why I see why people maybe hated on this when it first came out. But like, I had fun. It's totally a bro game too, though. Like, it's very much like Marius is like, oh, I'm here to save the Roman Empire. Though it's weird because like in this game, Boudica is like a big player in the game, which no one knows. Like Boudica was one of the Celtic uh, queens. She like fought Rome and like historically kicked a lot of Roman ass. And, like, in this game, you have to, like, spoiler alert, you have to, like, fight Boudicca at one point. And I was like, but I want to lose. <laughs> like, I was at that moment where I was like, what? I don't want to kill Boudicca. <laughs> I was like, I like Boudicca. Because, like, I'm the I'm the guy that, like, Marius is basically killing the entire time. I was like, the Boudicca ancestor. No! <laughs> you know? I'm <laughs> like, I don't like this. Like, you're fighting in, uh, you know, in, like, old you know, London, like, back in the day. What, what did they call it back then? Uh, I can't remember what they called it in those times, but it's it's London. They, it's just it was the Roman name for London uh, in a lot of it. So anyway, it, it, you know, uh, it, it's a fine game. Try it if you want. <laughs> it's like a seven. You know what I mean? A strong seven. You could also just watch it, and you would end up watching a really cool gladiator movie. That honestly is another good way of doing this if you watch a playthrough of this you it's probably like one of the better roman gladiator movies that exist and you save yourself going through the qtes yeah which aren't even that bad honestly like in terms of qtes they're like really really non-offensive 
in the sense that like there's no huge punishment if you miss one like i i honestly in the last part of the game there's like this final thing that's just like a huge quick time thing and i'm pretty sure i missed like a quarter of them and nothing happened so i was like oh so they don't really matter all right cool 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 (laughs) that's almost worse almost worse yeah although at the same time i was like thank god i don't have to go through this again you know what i mean i was like just let me go through it you know i'm like i'm fine i'll go with the artifice but i i agree what you're saying uh, I also played Streets of Rage 4, which um, this is great. It's, <laughs> this is a genre game, man. This is a genre game. This is a beat-em-up. If you like beat-em-ups, this is probably the best beat-em-up like, that is out there at this point. You know, like Honestly, it is like the most refined, best thing. If you are only casually into beat-em-ups, this game has the worst parts of that fucking genre in it, man. Like It's just like, oh my god. Like... Uh, some of the you're so slow you're so fucking slow like you meander around the screen and i was like kept going to the fighting tips i was like can i sprint a little and they're like no i'm like i hate this like you know it's just and like sometimes to dodge things i was like okay i guess i use my defensive move but my defensive move is an offensive move so it's not really a defensive move yeah like it's all about offense which i suppose a game called streets of rage makes sense that it's all about offense but there's no like blocking or anything it's just like the best defense is a good attack alex yeah it's a good good offense rick that's (laughs) the best defense is a good offense potato tomato (laughs) (laughs) those are two different things (laughs) Uh, yeah what was i gonna say art style is really cool I have not played any of the other Streets of Rage games, so, like, I don't know. But even I knew stuff, like, you know, it's one of these games where, like, pick up the turkey to increase your health. One interesting thing that they did in the game that I thought was uh, fine is, like, your special attack drains your health, and you have to, like, use your regular attack to bring it back up. But it's kind of a game of cat and mouse, because if you get hit before you punch them enough times to regain your health, you lose all of that health uh, that you could have regained. Yeah, so it is, like, in theory, kind of an interesting approach. If you're sort of a new player, what it really amounts to is that you're like, guess I'm hardly ever going to touch that button. <laughs> because you're just like, it's not worth it, man. <laughs> I'm like, just use the regular one. Uh, I got better with it near the end. Uh, it has a nice, I, I do like its difficulty system. It's not about reducing the difficulty of the of the fighters, per se. It's about reducing the difficulty of... Um, it will basically you just get more um, lives and more like star power attacks, uh, and then it like halves or like you know reduces your score uh, in the end. So I was like, I like that. That's nice. It, it allows you to get through it without necessarily um, just like bumping it down entirely. It's more just like, hey, here's a few more like a few more crutches to lean on, kind of thing. And it didn't like I used them eventually because I was like, bruh, I know if I spent enough time, I could get through this, but no way. Like it just, it started to do that fighting game bullshit where they just throw a lot of shit at you and they just kind of try to overwhelm you. And, um, or they make you fight a boss that has like 600 fucking variations to it. And you're just like, (sighs) like the final boss, I have to admit, it wasn't even that hard. It was just like, Oh, how many forms does this fucking boss have? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's that of attrition. Yeah. Yeah. It's that fighting game shit where you're like, come on. Um, but yeah, really good. Apparently there's like this Mr. X um, thing that's just came out. Yeah, so that apparently is really good as well. And it's like a whole new like campaign that you can do. Um, so anyway, it's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, try it out. It's really, really short. I played it in a couple hours and uh, a few s- sittings. It's just 12 stages. 
Um, it's clearly meant to be replayed, and I, I could see the enjoyment in that. But yeah, it's one of those things. I've learned that fighting games unearth a terrible, terrible hatred within me. <laughs> I, I just like they're the one kind of games that can make me go like, God damn it! You know, like rage a little bit. There's another topic for the podcast later. <laughs> Ironic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, Streets of Rage. There you go. Well, it will make you rage a little bit because you'll just be like, oh, I just want to kill these things. But then, of course, if you just slow down and understand the fighters, you know, the mechanics you have, and then, you know, basically it's like, get good at the game. And I'm like, oh, I know I'll get good at the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, grumble, grumble, grumble. Anyway, um, so that's Streets of Rage. I- I'd give that one like a solid eight or nine. It's really good, but not quite for me. Yeah, eight if you're not a fighting game fan, like 10 if you're a fighting game fan. I'm pretty sure that's like where it would exist. Uh, I also beat CrossCode, which this was a bitter, sweet completion. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a good game. It is a good game. It's just... <sighs> so like... This, I believe, is a Kickstarter game or an Indiegogo game. It was one, I think, Indiegogo. It was a, it was a crowd-funded game, and it has some of what I call kind of like the issue with crowd-funded games, where when they're really successful, they often include all of this extra shit that they're going to put in the game, and what it ends up doing is it bloats the fuck out of the game. And like this feature game, creep, yeah, yeah, it is feature creeped hard. Like there's just so much shit in it. Like if this was a twenty-hour game. This would be like fucking nearly perfect. But as like a 30, 40 hour game, it's way too fucking much. And then at one point they introduced this arena and like, I'm sure some people would love this, but I was like, I am never touching that with a fucking 6,000 foot pole. Are you fucking <laughs> kidding me? I was like, why would I do that? I'm like, the bosses are annoying at, at best sometimes. I was like, I don't want to fucking fight them forever. Um, but Alex, it's better value for money. Yeah, right. I was like, well, I put it on Game Pass, so I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fuck that. Um, yeah. And like, oh, man, the pacing takes a dive bomb. Like, I, you know, it's funny because I think I experienced what most gamers did is that when you first start playing this game, you get really enamored with it because it's awesome. And then people just stop playing after the third chapter and there's 10 chapters. And like, I'm, you know, of the 2% that beat it. Cause that's like the achievement for just beating the game had like 2% people who play this, get this. And I was like, yikes. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so this is a classic Alex play it. Don't finish it. Recommendation. Is it honestly, it is. It really is. It's a phantom hourglass. <laughs> like it's just one of those where I'm like, yeah, but, and you know, I beat it and I was pleased. Like it had a good, the ending's fine and stuff. And there's, there's like this thing where it's like at the end, if although also there's a stupid thing at the end of this game where it's like, if you don't do a certain thing in the final chapter, it's like, Oh, you have to go back and do that. But like, it's really dumb. Cause like, it's nice. Cause they let you just go right back to the point where you need to do it. And then you can skip all the other shit to the point where I was like, well, why didn't you just make that? Why isn't that just a quest? Why, why is it optional? Like if you're going to let me just go right back, why did you, it should have just been a quest, man. Like it would have been a fine quest. Just make it a quest. Like, I was like anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Um, okay, game. You're gonna know if you like it after the first two chapters or so. You're you're gonna know for sure. Um, it the puzzles got so fucking much. Like there were so many puzzles, man. There's a section where it's a gauntlet of three fucking dungeons in a row. 
And I remember you telling us about this the other episode. And by the third one, you were just like, no, I, I don't want to. I, 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 no. Oh god, no, I do not want to. And by the final fucking dungeon, I was like, I don't, I don't give a shit about another fucking shoot the ball puzzle. I don't, I don't want to do that. And like the puzzles, you know what I mean? Like they were all the, they're all the same. <laughs> You, know? you could have said you were very cross at the game. Oh shit, yeah. Well, that's a very British thing. But yes, I was very cross with the game. Yeah. So anyway, I, I hate that I'm so you know, because this is the thing. I I do really love it. And like I do really think it's a good game. I just Yeah, it just by the end of it, you're like you feel fucking shell-shocked and just beaten down by this fucking thing. And you're like, oh my god, man, this game should have ended a long time ago. So yeah. And then this is a the thing with this medium that we love. The pacing is just so easy to get wrong in a way that it isn't in film like you can have a film that's too long or too short mm -hmm. but at most you can get it badly wrong like half an hour either way mm -hmm. whereas a game can easily be double the length that it ought to be and yeah talking about kickstarter games this is something that i really appreciated when i played through cosmic star heroin because mm -hmm. that was a fucking tight campaign 15 hours done perfect length um and it, there were definitely things you could go back and sort of keep mashing your head against the battles if you wanted to um but in, in terms of the core experience, they they got it spot on with the pacing. And it is definitely something you see with um, games that come from that way, like you say, where um, because they want to justify stretch goals and because they want to give the fans all the things, it just gets a bit much. You don't need to look much further than Starter Citizen, for example. Of that. I know. This game, if it had been maybe two games instead, you know, like um, like mm. if they had shortened it a little bit and just made, like, you know, focused on one game, like kind of done the Shovel Knight approach, you know? Like Shovel Knight had a lot of promises, but they made multiple different games and they all feel good because they're, they're kind of their yeah. own thing, you know? Um, whereas mm. this is an example of where it's just like you crammed too much shit in it, man, and it's just too much now. It's bloated as fuck. Anyway, well, why don't we move on to games that also have problems, uh, and let's talk about uh, Retireds, which is the U segment this week, Rick, though I think I'll have some. The, the Rick Retirements. Yeah. So there's, uh, <laughs> there's two this week. They're both Vita Retirements. To be fair, I've been playing, even by my standards, quite a lot of Vita recently, and uh, we're recording this on the 19th. As of tomorrow, there's like six more games coming out for Vita, and then that's it. So when, when we next record, I'll have probably played some or all of those, and I'm very much looking forward to that. So this week, I retired two. The first one uh, was Twin Breaker, which anyone who listens to um, fellow gaming podcasters Colin Moriarty and Chris Reagan will be familiar with. It's a brick breaker. Like, they've inserted themselves into it. There's a story in, in quote marks, like really fucking aggressive quote marks. It's just a brick breaker. And like... They hold all of five minutes of my interest. And at that point, I was done with the game. You know, there's nothing objectively wrong with the gameplay per se. It's just like I've broken bricks before. I'm not invested enough in the people behind this game to keep playing Arkanoid. Anyway, the other one, and this is one that I might come back to, but I think really I'm telling myself that and I probably won't, um, is Axiom Verge. Now, this one made me quite sad. The, the only saving grace is a few years ago, I splurged on the physical. So I, I'll probably at least recoup my investment if I do give up and sell it on. As a solo effort, because this is, this is one guy who made this game. Yeah. The achievement in that sense is incredible because it, it's, a, it's a full 10-hour Metroidvania packed to the brim with stuff. Clearly, a lot of love and care and attention has gone into it. There's a lot of little problems that add up to to just not being it. And this, we mentioned briefly in the Discord, sort of goes back to what we said about Blasphemous a few months back, which is it. there's a good Metroidvania there, and in, in this case, maybe less so than Blasphemous. Blasphemous is, is 
without a shadow of a doubt, a better game. Uh, but even with Blasphemous, in this genre, there's just too many fucking home run games to be able to recommend this unless you've played all the others. And, and I haven't, and so I, I couldn't really justify keeping going with Axie Verge. For one, they have made some really bad attempts at squeezing the controls onto a Vita. There are four buttons on the front touchscreen, but they're, they're not buttons. They're little like 10% transparency circles hmm. that are not placed in a position you can catch them every time. The glitched world mechanic thing that they've got going on is really poorly explained. So early on, you get an item that like glitches and unglitches things, but it doesn't unglitch all the things. And there's no clear way for you as a player to discern what it will and won't glitch. Mm. So I, I ran to five or six dead ends thinking, oh, I've got the glitch gun now. I can do this. Like, mm, sorry, bud, wrong glitch. It's like, well, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> it's... No, I hear you, man. Like, I retired this one as well. And, you know, I think the issue is that this game came out at the forefront of, like, Metroidvanias coming back. Like, it was, like, one of the games that kind of heralded them their return in some ways, you know? Um, and so I think when it came out, it was very much like, holy shit, look at this game. One dude, and it's that thing that we've been craving forever, you know? And sails in on those good graces. But, like, at this point now, it's... <laughs> I sort of hate saying this, but it's kind of like, it, you know, it's like when we talk about games like Undertale, but it's also like in a post Hollow Knight world. Uh, it's really hard for me to go back to some of these things if they're not, if they don't kind of nail it right away. I'm like, I'll just go back and wait for Silk Song again. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I mean, it, bottom line is it's horrifically overhyped and um, yeah. it, it just doesn't deliver. And there's, there's far too many games that do. And I've got Hollow Knight sat on my PS4. It's been sat on my PS4 forever. And <laughs> every time I play like, uh, a mediocre to good metroidvania i've just got like that slight pang of guilt like i should be playing hollow knight really honestly rick i, w I would wait until you get the a switch and i would play it on the switch if i were you because like i i think it's really fucking well suited for the switch like it's so well suited mm. for that handheld gameplay i mean if playing on ps4 it's great too but like if, especially if you're gonna get like the oled one or something you know that nice screen might be worth doing that yeah or Alternative thought, once my broadband is finally installed, which as of recording, it still isn't, um, I can remote play that shit on my Vita. That's true. Because I've, um, I've got big boy fiber coming. So in theory, that's going to be a go. go. <laughs> but, there you go. Stay tuned, hey. listeners at home, and we'll, we'll see if and when that happens. Yeah. Um, Shall we move so on? Yeah, oh, sorry. Did you? I, I was going to do exactly what you're doing right now. So that's absolutely fine. Paolo, what's the latest with Breath of the Wild? Yeah, what are you playing, girl? Well, we know what she's playing. <laughs> Go on. Well, here's my latest update on uh, Breath of the Wild. And I finished my second Divine Beast. That it was Barudania, the one from the Currents. Also, this has like, this is my least favorite like side quest leading to the divine beast uh because overall because of the mechanics with this uh, particular character i'm not gonna go into depth because rick hasn't played but yeah i finished the second divine beast i got uh, my power up because of it i got uh, more life and i've been like hunting down some shrines and i arrive at gerudo yeah, get to the desert, and I'm pretty much like just. I want to say just two, but that's not the word. It's fucking hot there. <laughs> I am so sorry for that. And you're just 
scorching something? I'm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just scorching. I, I'm, I'm just cooking there. And she ah, just says that herself. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I, I think I'm gonna go and do like some side quest or like some kirk hunting because I pretty much made a beeline from Death Mountain to Gerudo Desert. So I want to like place myself a little bit more because I don't want to do like all the correct hunting after I've done any everything in the story. But yeah, like I'm also preparing for the uh, quest leading up to the next Divine Beast. So I'm gonna have to do some guardian hunting for that one so I can make my life a little bit easier. And uh, that's about it. Also, if anyone is like up today with everything Breath of the Well, which all the stuff people have been finding. Someone got a character from the Giga clan to right where the Master Sword is and had the character like pocket the Master Sword and it was hilarious. Yeah, but these clans oh. can like steal. Anyway, it's a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a clan with characters that like to steal stuff and they can actually like, they mainly steal, if, if you put like food in front of that, they, they will like make sure no one, no one saw no one is watching them and then pocket it. Okay. Same with the and they can also steal your bombs. Right. So you got into a pocket. And someone said, Oh. Yeah, someone got one of them up to the bastard sword and they took the master sword. I love that shit. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. It was beautiful. Um next game. Um these two these two full these two games that I have right here. One of them is Sweet Fuse at your side, and the other one is Cupid Parasite. If you ever thought that the two games I played are weird, and okay, you're right, they're weird. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Buckle up, we're here for a ride. Well, Sweet Fuse is the one that's literally like you're playing as KG and Afune's daughter, aren't you? Or am I making that up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, Sweet Fuse, or you know, when when I started playing it, I was like, hey, this screams Danganronpa because of the aesthetics. And I wasn't like, run at all, because like, you are, um, you play us, and I forget the name. Give me a second here. You play Asaki Inafune, and pretty much you... And this character goes to this amusement park because uh, her uncle has like this enormous amusement park that is themed around like many classic games or very well known very well known games. And she's there like for the opening and stuff. Suddenly this big mascot that is totally not Monokuma takes over the park takes hostages uh, alongside those hostages is her uncle and then says that he's gonna pick seven heroes to pretty much save the day and go through all his tests at first glance kind of the the mascot thing feels like Tangarampa, but i feel like some other stuff feels a little bit more like the nonary games because you don't have like the trials or all the minigames from the Danganronpa series and stuff like that. And then you have, I, I think there was also like an Ace Attorney thrown in there. Probably. 
so yeah, it it it, it takes bits from everything pretty much uh, and mash them together to to make this weird creature of the game. Hmm. And uh, the the protagonist alongside. Uh, six other people that obviously are the bachelors because this is an Atomi game have to go through these um, stages or uh, or I want to say levels but they're more like what's the word I'm looking for? I don't, for? don't know. <laughs> what is English? <laughs> uh, trials. Thing, trials, games. Okay. trials ah, or games, okay. nice. And they take inspiration from other games. So the first stage was like very Final Fantasy, in the sense oh, of okay. each character is kind of assigned a class, and you have like this panel, and pretty much like they you you watch them like figure out the puzzle. You can. You can make like dialogue choices and stuff like that, but it isn't like point and click or anything like that. Uh, though still, the references were pretty neat, not gonna lie. And the second stage, the, and that's where I am right now, is pretty much Mario Kart. And, and like the characters have to like make bears and get into the carts and and I was like, this is double Dutch. This is double Dutch. <laughs> it's the only Mario Kart I know where you have like two drivers. <laughs> so sadly, you don't actually play the games because that would have been way too cool for this. That <laughs> was such a missed opportunity. But still, it was. But still, it has been pretty neat. It, it has been kind of weird too. And this is a PSP game, so I was quite surprised by I want to say how ambitious they went, like with the with the reference storytelling and even like with the graphics. They, they don't look like bad at all. And the portraits are more like I want to say more pixely than than actually like uh, illustration. Got that early but they're like, feel. Yeah, it's it's kind of like in the DS for nine nine nine. The portraits are a little bit like that. Hmm. Um, I love that style. It has been fun. It has been weird. <laughs> and finally, the weirdest of them all. Like, I, I I told you guys, like, the developers were on something, but they make the, the concept for this. And Cupid Parasite, which, by the way, has been... was uh, the, the English release was leaked, like... If they are factory, I think it's gonna do the English release for this game. And I got it in Japanese, so damn Yay. it. Yay! <laughs> so I decided to play a little bit at least of the Japanese um release first because I was trying to learn Japanese. And secondly, because I want to I was way too impatient. I wanted at least a preview of this game. Hmm. So allow me to explain this game. <laughs> Uh, in Cupid Parasite, the protagonist is called Lynette. She is Cupid. The one and only Cupid. Mm -hmm. But she pretty much had a fight with her father and left the Olympus, I don't know, and pretty much went to Earth and found a job at this um, 
marriage um marriage agency like this company which very much like has uh, that that looks for uh well that tries to match people up that's like yeah they thing. try to match people up right, 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 yeah they yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's it uh, i would just say it's cupid is, cupid's it's got got yeah. love right yeah yeah she she pretty much uh finds that job like uh as as the cupid cheese mm -hmm. so um she is like very much top tier matchmaker in this company and then there's this group of people who have been like not cooperating at all that are called the parasite five the parasite five are these very troublesome clients that aren't making it easy for the matchmakers to find them a patch and I only got to see like the intersection of the game and it is a real it is already so fucking chaotic with these guys because your introduction is like uh, she pretty much uh, Lynette pretty much goes to this conference room and you have these five parasites stacking over each other and nothing makes sense I double check it's not that it's not that I actually translated it bad, but they are talking over each other and no one understands a thing. So the Lynette's friend, it is Goodies, I think it was like Chris. She gets fed up with these guys and it's like, okay, everybody, uh, Lynette, these are the parasites. You're working with them. And to give you like a, 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 a brief description, description of each of these parasites, <laughs> Like one of these is like the CEO of the company, and for some reason I don't know why he's supposed to be like a good a good husband in the eyes of everyone, but he isn't even married. So what the fuck? Sorry, can I hold on? And is this have... a visual novel? I'm I'm a little. What is is that? What this, is? this is a visual novel. Okay, of course it is. All right, I was like, because this sounds yeah. insane, and that sounds like a visual novel to me. <laughs> no, yeah, it is insane. It 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 it, it is weird. Um. <laughs> So yeah, you have the CEO of the company that is at home. Like you have the the one guy who talks in color codes, and I am not fucking kidding. Like, if you go to the Cupid Parasite page and you see like his quote that represents his character, it's a color code. What? And yeah, like um. Oh, as in like hex, as in um... yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh... And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this dude? And it seems like he he won't like acknowledge anyone who has like a bad sense of fashion or something like that. And you have the guy who pretty much compares everyone to her, his previous crash. And then you have a literal incubus who, what the hell is he doing here? And I think I'm forgetting someone, but oh, and you have the the guy who was saved but a literal god and now he's into Greek mythology and won't shut up the fuck about it so yeah I don't know like okay so you usually have doesn't sound like a game for me <laughs> I don't know I, I, keep, I keep looking at you Alex and I feel like your brain's melting in the exact my brain's same done I'm like is. I don't even know what's going on anymore I'm like what, what are we talking about I don't about? even know what's going on anymore I'm playing it 
Oh god. So this oh, game god. is nuts. Usually you have like one character that is like the disaster of the group. Mm -hmm. No, this whole group is a fucking walking disaster. But I feel like um, this is an Atome thing. Like, I don't know. I just feel like from what I've seen, they're always just all fucked, aren't they? Like, I don't know if people just... <laughs> okay. So <laughs> Right? Aren't they? I, I don't know. That, like, <laughs> I was thinking that too. But I think these guys take the cake. Okay. I thought he's saying something. So <laughs> this is supposed to be like a rom-com kind of uh, visual novel game. I, I like what? what I'm seeing. The explosion of colors that I'm seeing is like way out of this world and okay. the opening it, it is a it is an absolute bop like okay I, I i probably have to link the the opening somewhere because it is way too good i'm gonna so, try to save you from this yeah. one for now because yeah, i'm sure we'll hear a lot more about this in the next little lab but in just a time uh why don't i run through quick what i'm playing because it's, it's not uh, Looks like a lot, but it's not that much. Pokemon Prism still a little bit, but like I'm waiting because I'm going on vacation soon, and so that's gonna be my on-the-go game. Uh, I started Bug Fables: The Everlasting Sapling, uh, which is basically a Paper Mario game um, by people who are like they're not making Paper Mario the way I like it anymore, so I'll make it, uh, and it's real good so far. I but I stopped because I realized like I'm like just at the point where I've met like the third like um, companion basically, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm about to leave town for a while. I probably shouldn't start a 40 hour RPG. <laughs> I was like, yeah, why don't I just gamer things? Yeah, I was like, let's just park that for a little bit and we'll come back to it later. Uh, I also picked up Professor Layton in the Unwound Future again because, like, I had previously sort of like dropped that for a little bit, but I was like, oh, I'm going to go on vacation. So why not just pick it up again? Uh, so far, I don't know why, but like the puzzles in this one are kind of rubbing me the wrong way a little bit so far. Like, they've just been a lot more like, roll your eyes like oh so is that's the thing like, you know what i mean like at this point which um maybe it's just because i've played so many of them now you know like you get to that point and you're just like how far out of the box do i have to think on this one <laughs> you know what i mean so <laughs> and it's definitely more of a problem in the 3ds ones like i feel like unwound future um which isn't what it's called over here what's it called over here that's besides it's the last future that's the one. I, I feel like that is the pinnacle of Layton. Yeah. And, yep. and once you hit game number four and then the 3DS games, it's just a, a rapid decline. So yeah. if you're already feeling this way now, I'd say maybe stop at the end of the original trilogy. Well, that, that is my plan. Because I, I want to play Layton versus Phoenix, right? Which I hear is just like a nice marriage of the two of them. And so like yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that one. But I, I wanted to finish the first trilogy before doing that. Uh so I'm getting there. But anyway, the other game that I'm playing right now, which I have sunk many goddamn hours into already, is Yu-Gi-Oh! The Eternal Duelist Soul on the GBA. Oh, man. My childhood is hitting So, okay. I have straight up watched 70 episodes of Yu-Gi-Oh! over the last three days. And <laughs> now, to be fair, Yo. I have it on 1.5 speed because that turns it into like a normal paced television show um and you can get through them so fast because they're they're like they're like 18 minutes long honestly because they're so because you have to have ads in the middle yeah yeah, yeah. but that fucking Yu-Gi-Oh! like that opening song man is ingrained into my body but the first season of that show is insane it follows none of the rules of the card game <laughs> like literally none of it makes sense but the second season is the one that i actually remember as a child like when i started because i didn't i wasn't sure what one i had watched when i was young but as i was starting the second season i went this is the one i watched because it has that like 
arm dueling disc thing that they wear and like um they actually Did you ever have one of those no i mean i always wanted them but yeah i had a friend that had one they they were pretty shit i still wanted one but they were shit oh absolutely (laughs) but i wanted they were slapped together with a hope and a dream and a little bit of shoestring and (laughs) yeah it it showed but i still wanted one me too i mean i remember actually playing Yu-Gi-Oh a lot when i was younger and it was it was really Mm. fun um Yu-Gi-Oh nowadays is a garbage game um mm-hmm. and i don't care you can fight me like i i've seen oh my god the amount of fucking shit like i remember watching things people would take like three minutes to take one turn because they summon like 600 monsters and they have like the special they're all these special things but eternal duelist soul is from a beautiful time in Yu-Gi-Oh when the game made fucking sense and pre-synchros yeah, yeah oh my god yeah so it's like basically you know it's just you trap magic cards um ritual monsters and uh fusion monsters and that's mm-hmm. that's the extent and even then the ritual monsters there's not many of them um but the ones that it's are like the, fusion yeah yeah and not tons and tons of fusions there are there are a fair number but not a ton of them um and honestly once you get ultimate blue eyes white dragon <laughs> do you really need any other fusions <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like i love this game it, it, it's sort of silly like you're it, it is just you're just dueling it's like there's a campaign but really all that is is like you're dueling um people from the anime um or the manga or whatever and it's like the first i think maybe the first three seasons is kind of but it's like mostly the first and second season i think um and there's like i think there's 19 or 20 duelists that you can fight and you have to like fight them a certain amount of times and then you get booster packs and you can unlock different booster packs and like there's a password system where you can input cards into the game but you can only input one card so you can't just like cheese the game which i actually really love this i was yeah. like this is really smart because like you can put in a card if you're just like oh, i'm just missing this card and you can pop that in i really like it it's it's really fun um it follows like a calendar and like there's like weekly Yu-Gi-Oh and it's not like not a real it's like a fake in-game calendar and then like there'll be like weekend duels and it, there's like a tournament later on in the year too if you keep playing and so like I'm pretty far I'm in like March of 2001 or something um so if you like Yu-Gi-Oh and you really want to like but you're just like I can't fucking ugh, new shit ugh. and like the new game is cool I guess but it has all the new rules but if you want to go back to what I consider to be just the pinnacle of Yu-Gi-Oh fucking play this it's really good um and stroke or uh there's one on the ds called nightmare troubadour which is the same thing it predates all the bollocks yeah and uh it's just it's just good Yu-Gi-Oh. yeah so there's whether you want more, you finish or, well troubadour's on the ds so you have oh, like is it okay yeah so they, <laughs> they have some really um slap dash attempts at 3d models for some of the monster cards mm-hmm. But more importantly, you can manipulate it all with the touch screen and it, it like quality yes. of life, it makes a big difference. Um, so whether you, when you're done or anyone who's listening, that that's an easy recommend also. Nice. I probably will at some point. Yep. <laughs> good old Yu-Gi-Oh. It's good shit. Fucking insane. Weirdest thing ever. And also, you know, hot take. I like, so a lot of people complain about like four kids censoring Yu-Gi-Oh, but like, I'm kind of fine with it because like some of the names they change things to, like for instance, it was summoned demon in japan but summoned skull is a way fucking cooler name that is a dope Mm. name summon skull and also listen this is a stupid cartoon and i mean that with all the affection in the world it is the fucking dumbest thing in the world it is ancient egyptian monsters that are cards and every battle every like conflict is solved through cards 
I don't mind if they remove the anime titties. You know, like I am okay with that. They're also all high school age. Ugh. Anyway, it's just that's my little rant on that shit. I'm just like, it's fine. Watch the the dub is totally fun to watch. I think this would be a hard show personally to watch subtitled because then you'd have to actually pay full attention to it. <laughs> like Oof. it's not that Oof. good. It's nostalgic, but like it's not that good, all right? Um, but it's still one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> this comes from someone who loves it. Anyway, Rick, take us home. What are you what are you playing? Well, this is the thing. So that, <laughs> there's seven games that I'm technically playing. Uh, but I, I want to talk about the two that I've actually played this week. Uh, and they're both new ones as well, so there's a little bit to say about them both. Uh, the first of those uh, is Root Film for the PS4. Uh, it's also available on Switch. And it's, I think, a sequel or a spiritual successor or like a same universe kind of thing um, to a visual novel from a while back called Root Letter, which I played on Vita and actually really, really liked. I thought it was... Um, very charming, quite unique in the way that it set itself out and its approach to storytelling. Not not from like an artistry breaking new ground perspective. Almost quite the opposite. It was very grounded um, and realistic, and that that lent it um, a charm that most of the games in, in that world don't have because uh, they're they're the god of love running a dating agency. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I just had to let you think and realize what I'd done then. Um, <laughs> it's um, it's good so far. I've only maybe played the opening half hour. So a little bit of background for the people that are listening. Um, I moved at the start of this month, and I only just in the past couple of days got a TV. It's not a big TV, but it's a TV. So my PS4 and my Wii are on the table again for for gaming. And I, I bought Root Letter, like, new, because it's, it's not been out very long. So I, I wanted to sort of start playing it. Like it so far. Interesting that you know the um, the system that most visual novels have in one stripe or another, where you have like keywords and you sort of pocket them in your memory, and then you take them to another NPC, and it like progresses the story. Um, they they call that synesthesia, and that's the way that they do it. I thought that's quite an interesting way of framing that mechanic. Um, I'm sure I'll have more to say as I go through, but initial signs are very very promising. The art's lovely as well, which is always a plus. The other new playthrough uh, is Warrior Land The Shake Dimension, um, or as those of you in um, the United States of America might know it, Warrior Land Shake It. It's 2D Wario, and it looks fucking gorgeous for a Wii game. Like, looks good by today's standards for, for sort of hand-drawn 2D art, albeit with, with sort of the resolution limitations of the Wii. But even then, it, it looks really, really good. Gameplay... Maybe a little bit less. So the, the weird thing with WarioWare games is they are both incredibly easy and phenomenally frustrating in equal measure because it, it's very, very hard to die mm. or to like hit a fail state. I mean, in, in Wario Lands 2 and 3, you are literally unkillable. Like if, if an enemy hits you, they'll make you a zombie or they'll inflate you. So you've got like a status effect. You've got to get around to be able to play the game again. Uh, and that has its own pros and cons. This one isn't like that. It's just the situations where you can actually take damage are so few and far between and phenomenally easy to avoid that, that it, it's, it's a non-issue. But there's also loads of like side objectives and, and things that the game sort of wants you to do and signposts quite clearly in a way that's sort of, fuck, I really want to do that now. Even if it's annoying or, um, or, or not really enjoyable to, to go out of your way enough to make them happen. Um, but the core gameplay is fun. So it, it 
it's very standard. You move, you jump, you ground pound, you do the dash that the WarioWare games have. You can also shake the remote to like do a ground, like a standing ground pound, uh, or to shake bags of money or to shake enemies. It's relatively restrained for a Wii game. And I think I will probably see it through. It, it's sort of hovering somewhere between seven and eight for me at the moment. It's, it's nice without being particularly groundbreaking and the problems are already shining through a little bit, but I don't think they're enough to, to discourage me from playing the game entirely, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, it's pretty cheap as well. If, if, it's, if it's something that looks interesting, I, I definitely recommend people check it out because I have enjoyed my time with it and it, it, for the most part, feels like it holds up, which is good. And yeah, hopefully next week I'll, I'll be able to talk a bit about some of the other games that I'm actually playing as well. Uh-huh. Those, yeah. those, those are the two new ones. And um, nice. speaking of new things, that's probably that's probably a nice segue for us to roll yeah. through into the Gabe Boy. Right onto the Gabe Boy. The <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Just, so- just as we were saying, Nintendo dropped the ball. Valve picked it up. Valve <laughs> stepped in. Yeah, exactly that. And mm-hmm. as, as a as a very um, ardent supporter of the Steam controller, I'm quite happy that they've kept the trackpads number mm-hmm. one. Yeah, from what people have been that... saying who've tested it, like the trackpads actually feel quite good. Like they're quite precise. Um... They've always been good. They were good on the Steam controller. The only problem with the Steam controller is they they took the place of an analog stick and a D-pad. Right. And the analog stick's fine because you can replicate that pretty easily on a circular trackpad. Um, it, it It's not ideal, but the haptics almost entirely mitigate it. And if you can fiddle around with gyro aiming and get that working for you, it, it's arguably better. The D-pad's not so easy to obviate, and and to the point that any game that needed a D-pad, I would pull a Dual Shock out for. But there's so many use cases, whether it's um, radial menus, whether it's um, sort of doing different things. It, it, there's so much flexibility to them, both with the input and with the software that Valve gives you. That if if you're willing to do a little bit of tinkering, you can really hone. Um, the setup exactly to how you'd like it with those pads um, yeah. in a so, way that you can't do with any other controller. Yeah, sorry, just just to like make sure people know what we're talking about here. So the Steam, <laughs> like uh, Valve released the, or announced this thing called the Steam Deck, which is a handheld PC, um, and it's at three different um, levels. So the the cheapest one is four hundred, um, and then there's like a step up. That's five twenty nine, and then there's like the which is two hundred fifty six gigabytes, and there's the six fifty for five twelve gigabytes, and it's got like a, a versus sixty four in the base model. Yeah, um, and oh, like yeah. the the five twenty five thirty and the six fifty um, have an NVMe SSD in them, um, whereas the base model does not. So they all run things the same way, like in terms of like graphical fidelity and stuff. But I think if you if you care a little bit about like probably faster performance you probably want to go for like that mid one um it's also worth yeah. noting that they all they all have are expandable with micro sd yes. so that that's never going to be competitive with mvme unfortunately so it's a fact yeah yeah exactly uh but at the same time like when, when i look at this thing for me like you know i don't know some people the obvious thing was to be like oh the switch competitor and you're like uh, it's not really like i mean it it, it it's definitely, I think, um, because Nintendo's just different, right? Like, Nintendo's got their games, and that's the sort of thing that keeps them going. Um, I still think this will, I think, be a success um, because of the fact that, like, something you really can't discount is, like, when I got my Xbox, people would sort of say, like, oh, what's there to play on it? And I was like, yeah, but with Game Pass, there's so much shit to play on it, right? Like, I've been playing so much stuff, and... I mean, holy shit, even I, who does not play PC games, has a fucking Steam library because, like, 
Everybody in the fucking world has a Steam library at this point if you're yep. playing games because it's just like you can't stop. They give you so many, so much shit. Or you have like an Epic Games store th- freebies, or you have GOG freebies, and like the reality is you can. It's not just Steam on this, right? So like, no matter what, when you get this, you will have hundreds of games available from the get go. Which like, it's it's hard to discount that. You know what I mean? Like it's just fuck. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and the. Go on, sorry, Go Kyla. Ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so the thing with the Steam Deck is like the PC really doesn't have like the same console iterations that consoles have. So your library will be playable not only now and five more years and ten more years and whatever your mm-hmm. Steam Deck ends up dying, and you can still add onto that library. Mm-hmm. So. Not only that, but there are a lot of people that bought a Switch because they can play like smaller indie games like on the go. And the Steam Deck can do that easily. And not only that, but the games are way cheaper. Mm-hmm. So at the very least, that part of the, uh, the, the Switch ecosystem that plays like third party stuff on the go. I think that's where the Steam Deck is targeting. Oh, yeah. Albeit, there is still a question mark over compatibility. So uh, this thing's going to run um, a version of Steam OS, which is oh. Linux. And what that means is that because almost all the games are built for Windows, Valve are relying on a, a compatibility layer called Proton, which, if I'm remembering correctly, is like about a third of games are made playable with Proton. They're, they're promising to expand that greatly yeah. um, and to work with vendors to make that happen. But until this thing drops, that's a question mark. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're making a purchase, you, you basically have to uh, reconcile yourself to the fact that you're either going to be jumping through hoops to get a Windows install on there um, with all the pros and cons that that comes within a thing of that size. It's very doable because uh, this isn't the first device to work in that form factor. Um gpd wins or whatever they're called yeah. have been doing it for a while there's various companies that have, that have done this kind of thing already but with with a more narrow focus but you, you're either gonna have to jump through hoops to get that done or accept that not every game albeit the library will still be huge is going to be playable yeah. um I'd, I'd also push it back a little bit on the idea that this isn't riding on the switch's coattails because that the the switch has blazed the trail for a handheld with a tv dot and I think it's only the top tier model that comes with the dock, but you can buy a dock separately that's compatible with all of them um, that does exactly what the Switch dock does. And, you know, for all the all the differences between Valve and Nintendo and their approach, and for better and for worse, the fact is that the Steam Deck never happens if the Switch isn't the, ra- the raging success that it is five yeah, years prior. So, I think my um, thing is like I, I'm a little less convinced that it like I think some people are pitting it as like it's going to hurt like switch sales and I'm like not sure necessarily that if it'll do that but yeah I agree with what you're saying it's, no. the Venn diagram is mostly two circles next to each other I I think I agree with yeah. that point yeah though it might because like honestly it it might stop people from getting potential upgrades if the switch drops because like I I won't lie like this when I see this if Nintendo does introduce an incremental upgrade. I think I'm more likely to wait for an upgrade on the Steam Deck and like see what their next version is and go for that than I am maybe to mm. go for a Switch upgrade. Just because I'm like, 
Man, I got a lot of games on my PC. And and the issue for me is like, <laughs> I don't like playing games on my PC because this is where I work. This is where I record the podcast. You know what I mean? I don't want to sit here and play games because then I'm in work mode. I want to take it away and do something else. And I don't have room in my house for a gaming PC. Um, so it's like the idea of having like a pretty affordable and pretty darn powerful, like it, it was playing Star Wars Jedi, Jedi Fallen Order. Excellent. You know, and it's like, I'm like- Well, the screen's only 1280 by 800. So it's actually- easier to run those things with that in mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so sorry i cut you off there crack on no I, I that's basically all i was saying it's just like when i look at this thing i'm like uh, man and like you know there was the racial um justice bundle recently from and you go like i could just drop a bunch of those fucking games on an sd card and just play them on like you know what I, i'm like holy shit like i could just have infinite games on this thing pretty much and like you said yes there is the problem with you know with compatibility and that's also why i want to wait a little bit because i'm certain that stuff like that'll get ironed out and like you know give this a few years and i'm like shit man like if they make another version of this because and i will say it's it's pretty big it is pretty big like it's 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 wide and it weighs 1.7 pounds which someone has basically said is like it's like a switch and a slim vita like put, hold those together and that's like the weight Ooh. of it it's because it's, okay. it's, it's, it's a pretty big it's a pretty beefy boy so like you try Carlos those about to irl that comparison while we're yeah. while we're talking so like that's why i'm saying like <laughs> i really like shit. it but it's like yeah right that's big um it's like and when you think about the original switch model too right like it's like they're good but it's like they're shit that i as I, even when i look at it i go they can make that better you know, and I'm like, I'm sure they can. I'm sure in a few years they can make this a better thing. So I might do what you did, Rick, with which waiting for the Switch. Um, whereas, like, for the Switch, I knew it's like, man, I need those games. Like, I just, I love Nintendo. I want these Nintendo games. For this one, I'm like, I can wait a little. And that's sort of where I am, in fairness. The, the wrinkle is that the, the established PC library is a, a double-edged sword. Because, mm-hmm. yes, there's a, a, a huge library of games for me to play if I get a, a Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. but I can already play all those games on my laptop. That's why I already own them. Um, whereas if I want to play Shin Megami Tensei Five, which you better believe I do, sure. um, I'm going to have to get a Switch of some stripe to play that. If I want to yeah. play Astral Chain, if I want to play Box Boy and Box Girl, and that, that's when Nintendo always come through, is, is the fact that first and third party exclusives are what they are and generally are of enough of a, quali- enough of a quality to justify that purchase, certainly. That's going to be the case for me. The other wrinkle, because those aren't the only two things coming out, is uh, the play date. Pre-orders are opening for oh. that later. It's yeah. the little yellow one with the crown. I know, yeah. I it's, cannot, it's very cute. I cannot wait. It's very niche, but it's so me. I can't wait. Same. Um, I, I kind of want one too, yeah. I'm, I'm locked in for a pre-order for that. So that that's sort of my new hardware this year. Next year is probably going to be a Switch OLED. So we'll see what, what Steam Deck 2 Valve Boogaloo is saying. Yeah. And, uh, I will say, if they get the Microsoft app running on like Proton and stuff, the game, especially the Game Pass thing, fuck, like <laughs> that would be a game changer. You're absolutely right because if right? they can guarantee compatibility, which they almost don't have to, because that runs in the cloud, like it's got an internet connection. Yeah, there's no reason that you can't get that running, whether it's through Windows or something else. Yeah, and the thing is, like, what I would love is just like. Because, you know, Microsoft has cloud gaming and stuff, which is great. But Downloaded, if, but yeah, if you can download this, yeah, and you can download mm-hmm. it and run it smoothly on that thing, that's fucking next level shit, man. That's like, that's Switch Pro, and motherfucker. It, <laughs> like, I'm like, and it's not that far-fetched because it's, it's if I remember rightly, I think the, the APU that's built in there, the AMD one, is actually 
like a pared down version of the one in the Series S. Which obviously uh, is yeah, backwards. So. And you know, the thing is, because Xbox, there's Game Pass for PC, right? So it's like, honestly, <laughs> you could just, like, realistically, there's nothing stopping you from just installing Windows 10 and just doing it, you know? Like, but mm. I would love to see, like, the thing that I think Valve is trying to aim for right now is they're like, I want this to be perfectly open so you can fuck with it however you want, but also we're going to try to create a curated experience. And that's important that's to both me. worlds, yeah. Yeah, like I would prefer, if you can make it a curated experience and I don't have to troubleshoot too much, I'm fucking in, you know? Like I am mm-hmm. in, right? Like if the games just work, that's that's the big difference, right? Like if, if you have to fiddle a lot, then it's like, eh. and that's why I got excited when I saw Valve coming into it because there there are a lot of like, you know, portable PC options that exist, right? Like this is a field, but the fact that a company like Valve's coming in and is being like, yeah, but you want it to be real good and not cost you like two grand, here you go. And it's like, that to me is the difference. And if the user interface works nicely, oh boy, man, it's a, they're making a hard argument to ignore. <laughs> what Although Paula's yeah. oh shit makes me think that she may well not be as enthused as we are just from the sheer weight of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, like I really thought like the the original switch is a really like heavy for me to hold for yeah. long sessions. So I usually use the tabletop mode. Mm-hmm. But with the Steam Deck I can't use the tabletop mode. So I'm a little bit worried about that. And that's why I'm like a, a version two for me seems like because like think pieces are only getting smaller, so I'm just like Maybe round two when they lighten it up a little bit and, you know, <laughs> shrink it a tiny. Shrink it just a touch. <laughs> <laughs> and also the battery life is not great, but it's it's the Wii, ba- it's the Switch battery life. Like It's the- better than the Switch battery life. They're saying two to eight, depending on what you're doing with the thing. True, yeah, yeah. Which, the Switch, you're not getting more than five, are you? Handheld. No, it's just two to eight. I, or at least my Switch Lite is at least. And they have the new batteries, which I believe it's about two to eight. Yeah. But they were saying like playing, I think it was uh, Jedi Fallen Order or something for like four, you could play it for like four hours, um, mm. which is pretty good, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. If you're playing four straight continuous hours of handheld, ow, your hands must hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Indeed like, hurt. Yeah. That, that's someone who's not played enough Vita talking. I guarantee four hours. Uh, look, I play Game Boy for hours and hours, so like I've been there. But well, I don't know. Handheld gaming, I always need breaks. Anyway, and I mean, you know, touchscreen. It's LCD. I'm sure it's gonna look gorgeous. I like the that the speakers are on the front. That's a problem with the Switch. The Switch, for some fucking reason, has its speakers on the back, which I know the OLED is kind of fixing. But I was like, why? Why on earth would you do that? Like, I guess everyone else can fucking hear what I'm playing. But like, <laughs> yeah, I just I saw it. You can just use your Bluetooth headphones. Oh wait, I know, right? Fucking Jesus! It <laughs> yeah. has Bluetooth, but no Bluetooth headphones. But at least the Steam Deck's got Bluetooth headphones. I, I just honestly looking at this thing, like, I just don't have many complaints. Like, I at first when I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I don't really care. But then, like, the more I think about it, and the more I look at this thing, I'm just like. It's kind of a great idea. And like, I've heard people say like, at first, I know like the look of the, uh, like where the buttons are looks a little weird, but I guess with the rounded edges, it actually feels really naturally. Like even if you hold your hands right now, like sort of like tilted, you can sort of tell how like it would make a lot of sense. And it's actually harder to move your fingers like down than it is to just move them over. Um, So like, and honestly, I, I also trust that they've done enough fucking testing to know that this feels good. You know what I mean? Like when I saw it, I'm like, I'm sure this probably feels great. Anyway, that's the the Steam Deck. We're 
tentatively interested, I think. Does anyone want to add stuff to this? Or? I think I we've don't... covered everything. Yep. Go on. Yeah. Pretty much. Nintendo like, besides, <laughs> like, you know, like I, I was thinking, like, there's a uh, this Nintendo Switch group where Fertilia, where I am in, and people are like a little bit salty. The saying it's a little bit salty is the fucking like there, there's a fucking sandstorm there. Uh, one of the things <laughs> is that a lot of people are saying you can emulate the Switch <laughs> here. You could emulate the Switch on here. Honest to God, yeah, you can emulate the Switch on this thing. That's been said. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Which is so, uh, yeah, fuck. You could probably get better rates <laughs> on this. You, you, could, you could probably get better performance from Switch games <sighs> in here. I am it's not the one to enable piracy, but and you know a little bit were in there. Again, if you wanted to, like, and I don't really know why you do this, but like, you you could emulate like GameCube and like PS3 even on this thing. I think and like PS3 is PS3 mostly hard stretch. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, think it's it it. it. yeah. I, I depends think how well they optimize it, but like PS2, mm-hmm. Wii, and everything underneath, without a shadow of a doubt, you'll be able yeah, to play, which sure. is still huge. Yeah. Yep. And obviously, we won't know until we get it, but yeah, I just I don't know. I think these things are going to be like, like I, I'm sniffing a little bit of like, like I'm like smells like Vita, but like, <laughs> like in a good way, like not. And I think. I think has, what other way is that possible? Yeah, I, but I, I also say just I think there has a better chance of like succeeding a little more because like I think Sony sort of was just like okay, but and like also like the fact that this has Steam as part of it, like I think there's like a a, a bit of a better chance of longevity for this thing, um, mm. just because there's. Can so we use the micro SD card without an adapter? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh my god who yes. said proprietary memory cards Shouldn't yeah it? shit right like it just seems like they're doing a lot of things right with this and i don't know i'm, I'm really excited more com- competition in this kind of handheld area like yeah. we're all handheld fucking fanatics i mean i today mm-hmm. have like paula just got a game boy advance sp i have like mm-hmm. uh the base game boy advance model uh parts coming in to like totally to make it rechargeable battery and everything so like we like handheld gaming. And so like seeing something like this, I'm just like, yes, please more handheld gaming. Like mm. I, it, people look TVs. It's awesome. But like, you can't discount the fact that sometimes motherfucker, I want to put a show on and I want to sit back with my little handheld, you know? And it's just a pick up and put down ability. Like you, you can't put a price on that. Well, you can yeah. 399 starting, but you know, <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on then. I'm doing great yes. today. This is good. We have a question from YouTube today. So thank you so much Ooh. for leaving a, a comment on our, uh, one of our YouTube videos here. And it comes from Kay Robinson, uh, who asked, here's a question for you. Have there ever been any gaming communities you felt a disconnect or distance with? I do actually have one. And it's not, Ooh. I mean, I'll talk about other things. We'll talk about, uh, I have a little longer thing to talk about, but one that I just, I sort of distanced eventually with, but um, I used to play Battlefront 2 competitively on the PC, which is a weird sentence, but I like for a long time, there was like a big thing and there were like all these clans and stuff. And so you would have to like uh, fight to join into a clan and then you could play like uh, competitive matches with that. And I really loved it. But at one point I just sort of realized like, they take it really seriously. And like, you were expected to be on for like many hours of the day. And like, you had to come for certain like events and like you had to be there and be ready. And like, I quickly realized- Well, you've got nothing better to do, right? Yeah, right. And like, I was young at this point. Like I was in like maybe Mm -hmm. high school, like early, early high school. And I just got to a point where I was like, guys, like I 
can't dedicate my whole life to this. I love this game, but like, <laughs> can't dedicate my whole life. So like, I I kind of distanced a bit because it just I started to realize that like my enjoyment of games instead of the enjoyment of it, not necessarily the discipline of it per se. You know. Um, hmm. That's fair. I I found this question a bit of a weird one because I, I other than how long to beat and when I first got into like um, hacking my PSP, there was an old forum um, that I was quite heavily involved with there. I wouldn't say I've really been involved in gaming communities. Like the the circles I'm in IRL have very little to do with games. Like I'm known Same. as the guy who plays random weird shit. Um, I literally just got my friend into Earth Defense Force, so that was a trip. But like I, the the gaming and the non gaming aspects of my life are very separate anyway. Um, and and the communities I've been involved with, I've never really felt any sort of disconnect with. Um, just because I, I by fortune or circumstance of been quite selective with that uh the only one i'd maybe say and even this is a little bit of a stretch is like the rocket league quote-unquote community and even that's not really fair because i've got like a core a core group of friends that like online friends that i play regularly with so i've almost fashioned my own little community but outside of that i know there's there's loads of toxicity like it that's just online multiplayer in general. I feel like it attracts that kind of person. Not that kind of person. That's not fair, but it, it draws that out of people. Let's yeah. put it that way. I was also going to say like something to just addendum on that. It's like, I think a lot of communities get a bad rap, but I think communities based around a game or a property or like anything that has like a fandom, right? I, I don't really think they can be toxic because like, the reality is, for instance, okay, Call of Duty. Let's let's use this one because it's it's huge. There are people who play Call uh, of Duty, Duty. That <laughs> Duty, yeah, right. It's a huge. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there are people in that when you play that will drive you insane. Like you're like, ugh. <laughs> Rick's Rick's lost here. I'm gonna I'm gonna power through, but we've lost Rick. He's in Laughville. <laughs> I'm broken. <laughs> He's I totally broken. Reboot. Uh, but reboot. like, <laughs> oh god. Oh. Like, thing is just that like. The more popular something is, the more likely there's going to be shit people in it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just because it just brings everybody into it. And so, like, the average dude who plays COD is fine, you know? Personally, I'm not into that just because I'm not really into multiplayer online games anymore, you know? Um, And because it's so popular, there are times where... It's not very fun. <laughs> Wait, it, yeah. it's the Rick and Morty problem, isn't it? Like, yes. you get enough humans in a room, you're going to find some dickheads. Yeah. And the more popular something becomes, the more likely you're not only going to find some of those dickheads, but you're going to find dickheads who have that combined with, like, a fervent adoration for the thing that you're concerned with. Yeah. And that's, that's a potent combination, and it never ends well. Um, and that it, that's not necessarily wholly or partially the fault of the community in, in any case. It's just... The nature of it and i'm sorry if you can hear the ice cream van that's driving past my window that's now. incredible yes, uh, <laughs> honestly they're going all the time it's been quite funny with the uh with the euros going on they've been playing at complete sidetrack paula yeah what about you for have there been any gaming communities you've felt a disconnect or distance with well there's a bunch actually there's a bunch okay i don't want to say that i'm usually the one who has like either unpopular gaming opinions or like more old school gaming opinions but i'm usually that one that one person there and also there's like a couple of communities centered around like um nintendo that aren't like a lot of fun to be in because every every time something not nintendo related comes around like they they kick up uh, sandstorm, like I said, with the this, the Steam Deck. 
Right, so they Sorry, get they get like on. really riled up, huh? Yeah, they get really riled up. Also, the Pokemon community, you don't want to be there. You really don't want to be there. I used to play competitive Pokemon matches and on the 6th generation, that is Kalos, and Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire. And to be honest, like, um, there's like a lot of problems with the community because you have like the competitive community who wants the games to be like as streamlined as possible so they can actually like train their Pokemon or they either they either train their Pokemon or they use hacks to make them their teams and that is supposed to be illegal in the competitive Pokemon community. Because those are illegal Pokemon making their own out there. Uh, but also you have the other side of this spectrum where they just want to enjoy the Pokemon game experience. And for those people, they don't want a short game. They want to... Um, they actually want to play the game. Yeah. So you always have these two sides uh, of the argument. And that is not even starting with what Game Freak has been doing. Like... The 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 exit situation that is like where they didn't put like all the Pokemon on the um yeah. Galar Pokedex, that was a situation by itself. So to be honest, once Sun and Moon came out, it was fun, like because it was a different experience. But once Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and then like the the eight generation, I was like, I'm out of here. I don't want to see like four Pokemon uh, fanboys being salty about everything. I just want to either enjoy or not enjoy my games. Yeah, I can't handle like negative communities because like I know there's a like and again it's like it's, like branch off ones. Like for instance, when it comes to Pokemon, the one sort of like groupish community that I like to watch is like the Nuzlockers. <laughs> like those guys are just fun. They're just like doing the most like insane shit with this game and just like punishing themselves with it. And I'm like, I like this. <laughs> To be honest, doing Nuzlocke is a lot of fun if you are already like went through the game once and want mm-hmm. to re-experience it like in a different manner. Mm-hmm. It depends on the game though, because Platinum can be like pretty punishing with a yeah. Nuzlocke. Yeah, Nuzlocke are a lot of fun there. Um, you made me think actually. Sorry about. Uh, I'll let you keep going. It's just one community that I do like is like the speedrunning community. Those those people are dope. Like it's just like so much enjoyment. <laughs> I, know, I was watching Summer Games Done snaps. Quick recently, and like I watched the entirety of Plex's Golden Sun, The Lost Age run, which is like a six-hour run, and it was the great... Oh, my God, I loved it so much. Good old... Summer Games Done Quick, y'all cool. <laughs> anyway, Paula, what are your other communities? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was thinking like, this, dude, the speedrunning community is awesome. Uh, that aside, um, the other community I kind of feel disconnected with uh, is the Fire Emblem community. Hmm. In the sense of, I really didn't mind like the Fates games in the sense, I, I knew there were like lower quality in, in terms of story and characters, but they were still like fun to play, especially the um, oh, it, it's not the right, it's the other, the other one, Conquest? No. Birthright? Okay, the, the one with, where you play with the Western-style uh, family. Oh. Well, it was Birthright, Conquest, and then another one, wasn't there? Yeah, Conquest. Thank you, Rick. Thank you. 
Yeah, yeah especially I swear I said that one already, but yes, I'll take the credit. Yeah, you That's did, Paula. Yeah, it's Birthday <laughs> Conquest and then Revelations, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, especially like Conquest, mechanically it's very solid and they try a lot of stuff, a lot of new stuff that was mm-hmm. really fun to experiment with. Fire Emblem Three Houses. I played two hours, I didn't like it. And I think I'm the only Fire Emblem player out there that doesn't actually like the game. I think you are. It might be because I was... <laughs> I think it might have been because I was expecting, like, more of Fire Emblem in the sense of what they did with um, Awakening and Fates and stuff like that. Instead, On- I got Persona Cross Fire Emblem. This is what blows my mind, though, a little bit, that, like, it's like a dating sim Fire Emblem, and I'm like... This seems like it's it's made in Paula Heaven. Like I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you don't think that, but I'm in Fire Emblem in Fire Emblem, like the dating like the support conversa- conversations and all that is fun. Like in Awakening, mm-hmm. it's actually like um a lot of fun to see how other how these characters interact with it. The thing is, it only takes a small portion of the game, not half of it. Yeah, that's fair. Um and fun fact. <laughs> Not gonna lie, but playing Fire Emblem Awakening is the thing that actually made me interested in dating sims in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, because of the support conversations uh, on that circle. game, I was like, well, maybe I could um, try out some dating sims. And at that point, I already played Stainsgate, and I was wondering, hey, are there like any like made for girls? And then I found... Uh, two amnesia memories and I was like and, and then Paula changed forever um, <laughs> it should have gone full circle but it didn't quite square up <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the other community that I kind of felt disconnected with I want to say the Persona community because again hmm. Paula yeah, doesn't like why. the new tiny game <laughs> <laughs> and I want to give Especially Persona 5 Royal, a second chance, but first of all, in a higher difficulty, and I think they fixed some of the stuff I have trouble, I have issues with. As I've said before, Persona but 5 always finds a way. <laughs> yeah, always finds a way. The thing about podcast. Persona 5 is that the writing beating. <laughs> oh, we know about <laughs> So that was like my main gripe with the game. Um, I need to go back to Persona 5 Royal. Yeah. The thing is, people love it. And I'm like, why? Yeah, I can't go I, back. I loved it. I got to the boss in the tutorial dungeon and then I, I stopped playing it for some reason. I don't know why. Look, I, I played I'm Persona. I'm going to have to start it over again. Yeah, I was going to say, I played Persona 5. Like, I can't go back. I played like 100, over 100 hours in that game, man. I can't I can't do that again. <laughs> like, I got like <laughs> shell shock. Yeah, I, okay, I know, but I can't, man. I can't. <laughs> I got so I many back, my backlogs looking at me with like a fucking club. Like, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> Just the baseball bat into the open hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like, don't you even look at Persona 5 Royal Boy. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like... And you just remind me of this uh, meme where there's this guy like with a girl and looking back at the other girl. Oh yes. yeah, it's like my back look at shiny new game. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting though, Paula. Oh, yeah, you got lots of communities. I hadn't even thought about that. So, like, like Rick, I, I'm not in many. Like, how long to beats one of my? So, like, when I was younger, I did like We Loaded, which was um, a website, and then it became VG Zero News and stuff. And like, I, I was like heavily involved in that and like the running of the site for a little while. Um, 
but like when it comes to communities, I was sort of like away from them for a long time. And I find sort of like what you're talking about too, Paula. It's like, I think sometimes when they get too laser focused on one thing, um, I lose interest a little bit. And that's something that I think what I like about, <laughs> I'm going to praise how long to beat a little bit, but like the community here is just um, so varied, like all over the place and so many different interests and stuff. And that I think is sort of what, gets me excited too because i'm like oh shit i'm learning i've learned about so many new goddamn games just even from doing this podcast let alone like mm. uh, the community but yeah sorry did you have any more you want to add paula just yeah that that's about it but i think whenever there's a community that sorry whenever a community is like has a game like in a pedestal or anything in a pedestal and when they stop thinking about what they're actually getting Hmm. I think that's exactly when the community to turns toxic. Yeah, I can't. Like, I mean, at least branches yeah. of it, right? Like the most vocal branches. <laughs> yeah, and those are the 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 usual branches that you hear from the most. So at the end of the day, I just go up on Twitter and and, and pretty much like have a small circle of people that I can have a conversation with. Um, especially like from the Otome Armada, everyone there is just so fucking nice. Uh, either that or, or I managed to find like the nice side of that community. And it is amazing. So that's where I am sticking to. Uh, also, how long to be because of all the variety of stuff you can You bring you that can Otome see love to how long to beat. So of we course. need you here. <laughs> that and, and being a host on its podcast sort of comes with a legal obligation to be involved in the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You are contractually obligated. We all are. <laughs> I am contractually obligated. Uh, so yeah, the that's the those are the communities I I I, okay. I pretty much have like at arm's length. Well, or even farther. <laughs> well, thanks, Kay Robinson, for that question. That was excellent. Like we said, you can always send us a question uh, at hltbpodcast at gmail.com or leave it on one of our YouTube videos or even ask us in the Discord. We got our own little channel in there. Shoot us a message. And hey, if, or the if you're putting a comment in there anyway, why don't you smash that like button while you're already there? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, and tell a friend. <laughs> uh, all right, it's time for... How long to beat the game? Alrighty, so let's see. What are we playing this week? It's my edit, so... All right, and the game this week is Tomb Raider 1996. Mm. That is the Okay. Yeah, I think that's an interesting one. This is the original Tomb Raider. Um, and I think this is a fascinating one because Lord knows how long this is because I've never played the originals. I've only... Um, I've only ever played like the remake ones, but I can't imagine they were crazy long, right? No. I don't think so. Hey, so I'm looking for the page of the game, and it had a Sega Saturn release. Yeah, a PlayStation, and I, it originally released on Sega Saturn. People just remember the PlayStation uh... version because nobody fucking bought the Saturn. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I think there's a few games like that where they were on Saturn first, but they're remembered as PlayStation games because that's where everybody mm -hmm. played them. Mm -hmm. There's a Demon's Souls version? That's, that's wild. Yes, there is. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's supported anymore. I think anyone who actually goes back and plays it just emulates the PS1 version there. Hmm. 
I mean, it right. Did. I'm uh, I'm swinging for the fences. I've uh, I've put nine hours main, twelve hours main plus, fifteen hours hundred percent. I don't know how many collectibles there were, so I'm like spreading it on what feels like a reasonably low spread. In yeah, fact, scratch that. Nine hours, eleven hours, thirteen hours is what I'm doing. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm like not really sure. Um, yeah, because I feel like these early games, they just they just weren't that huge, especially like an action one like this. Um, I'm like kind of feeling the same boat as you. You know, like I'm thinking maybe eight hours and a half. Um, cause I know how much you hate those. Um, <laughs> if that half hour fucks me, I will be fuming. You don't even know. I just don't think there's any way that it's less than like four hours long. You know, like, I feel like, I feel like that's at the bare minimum, you know? Um, fingers crossed. Yeah. I'm that's trying. the threshold at which I get fucked. Thank you. Yeah. Um, main plus. Yeah. That's the hard one. Like main plus. I don't know what that counts because I think it had like additional levels released for it, but I don't like really like um, on certain platforms. But I don't, I don't. Know. Maybe maybe I'll do ten and a half hours. Ooh. I'm just I'm just pricing right in you, Rick. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think because I I feel that this is a shorter game. So I'm gonna go eight hours main, nine hours and a half main plus, and eleven hours and a half, one hundred percent. I don't feel that this is a very long game. Well, I'm gonna go funny then. I'm gonna do uh, eight and a half hours, ten and a half hours, twelve and a half hours to Rick's nine, eleven, and thirteen. <laughs> I just don't want to pick the exact <laughs> ones as you, Rick. You know, then it feels funny. <laughs> um, Whatever. Are we ready? Let's find out. Let's find out. Okay, so holy shit, we're all fucked. Main story is sixteen hours. Uh, yeah, main me. plus extra is eighteen, and completion is twenty hours. Damn! Oh, damn! That's a surprise. Honestly, I I didn't think. Um, I I'm torn between gutted and quite happy that those half hours did you no good whatsoever. Yeah, this is interesting <laughs> too, though. Yeah, on the PlayStation, yeah. Shorter on the Sega Saturn by a little bit, but not much. It was on the end gauge. Wait, what is going on? Anyway, yeah, so yeah, they ported the original version. That yeah. they, it's horrific because obviously it's a vertical screen, but yeah. it's there. Well, fascinating. Like That's the original Tomb Raider. Long game. I guess we underestimated the uh, length of that game. Man, wow, That's long for 1996. Damn. Um, Damn. For an for like an action puzzler, like shit. Uh, that's that's a lot. Um. All right. Well. Uh. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, next week, we have something a little different for y'all because uh, little old Alex <laughs> is going on vacation. He finally gets to go home and visit his family because it's been over a year and almost two years. Ah! Um, yeah. So something special. You'll still have content, but it's going to be something different. Ooh. Uh, Ooh, mysterious. <laughs> yeah, who knows? See y'all next week. Take it easy. See ya.